Hey everyone, it's Seth from Classic Gaming Brothers. This episode is sponsored by Audible. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, we still are brothers and we are still classic. The most classic brothers who've ever been classic. I I would, I don't know. I, I feel like there's like historical brothers who may be more classic than us. Absolutely not. That, like, <laughs> we, are, more we, are more, we are more, we are more classic than the Brothers Grimm. The Brothers, yeah, like... It's true. Um, anyway, anyway. <laughs> if you've never listened to us before, we talk about classic video games that we remember from our childhood. And uh, as the beginning of all of our episodes, we talk about recently played games, be them classic or modern. Um, so, Seth, what have you been recently playing? So, I've actually been recently been playing a game called uh, Pharaoh, and there's also an expansion pack called Cleopatra, uh, Queen of the Nile. That's a part of the Impressions Games series uh, published by Sierra Studios. That was uh, This particular game was released in uh, 1999, and the Cleopatra game was released in 2000. And it's great. Um, it's a classic city-building series. So you're given uh, just a road and some objectives, and you have to build infrastructure. You have to put, like houses Mm -hmm. and make sure there's food enough for everybody and you have to have like police and or constables and fire and architects and all everything situated so that your city just doesn't fall apart Uh, the impressions games are actually fun because they have a interesting unique way of teaching you the game Mm. and that is usually through the game breaking at the point that it then teaches you about a building so like a building will burn down and then they'll say oh you need to build firehouses oh you can uh, firehouses are now unlocked for you to build and that's kind of how the tutorial kind of works with them the uh, another interesting aspect that i like about specifically the pharaoh series uh is that you can all the farming's done on the nile so there's time periods where you're farming and then there's it's like called inundation there's times where there is no fertile land because the waters have come up and come over the farm so during that time you can have those farmers go and build a pyramid for you while you're waiting for the nile to recede again so that you can start building um, I think that this, the City Building series by Impressions is a, a very interesting game that started with Caesar mm. covering the um, Roman time and ending with the immortal cities, Children's of the Nile. But in between that, there was uh, there they also covered um, uh, games in Egypt. They covered games in Greece, a game called Zeus, Master of Olympus. And uh, a game set in ancient China called Emperor Rise of the Middle Kingdom. So 
They are all pretty uh, interesting, fun. You could definitely get a lot of lot of time out with them. Um, I think I spent the better part of three hours yesterday just playing one oh, map. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Was, yeah, so it's got a very pretty lengthy campaign and also a sandbox. Oh, cool. Well, What about you, Zachary? What have you been playing recently? Yeah, so recently um, I decided I was going to pick up a um, Analog Mega SG, which is um, a clone console of the Sega Genesis system that was designed by a company called Analog. Um, and for anyone who's familiar with clone systems, is usually they are kind of not great. They they don't have a lot of compatibility with certain games, especially especially made games and stuff like that. Um, but Analog um, strives to make all of their systems 100% compatible with the library of games that they're catering to. Um, and they've been kind of labeled as the Ferrari of clone video game systems um, in the sense that you you get what you pay for um, and you're paying for a luxury of, you know, properly working games. Um, so with that, I've been kind of revisiting some of my uh, Sega collection. And one game in particular is actually it's a hack um, that I have on physical cartridge of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles. It combines both of them into one game, um, and it's called Sonic the Hedgehog 3 Complete. Um, and so for some for some brief history, when Sonic the Hedgehog 3 came out, it was actually came out as a, um, a incomplete game. Um, in order to play the completed version, you had to do what's called lock-on technology, and you had to stick a copy of Sonic 3 on top of a copy of Sonic & Knuckles, which had a special slot on top of it. Um, and this would combine both games and give you what was the completed version of the game. Yeah, um, I, I remember. And you and then sometimes you had to blow the bottom cartridge and then blow the top cartridge, yeah. and then you're blowing all the cartridges and nothing's still working yeah so what this hack does is it does the convenience of putting it all into one cartridge but it also does a bunch of other stuff which include bug fixes for sonic 3 um different tweaks and um uh essentially when when you combine the games certain things will change like some music options will change uh for example if you like the sonic 3 soundtrack Playing Sonic 3 and Knuckles the original way will give you some of Sonic and Knuckles' soundtrack overwriting the Sonic 3 music. Um, so Sonic 3 Complete, what it does is it will keep the original soundtrack for Sonic 3 section, and then when you get to Sonic and Knuckles, it will keep that soundtrack. So it kind of allows you to experience both. Um, it also does fixes in terms of allowing you to even change up some of the music to sound slightly different. It um, has some level design changes. Um, some palette changes. There are some there are some palette errors with Knuckles' uh, sprite in Sonic and Knuckles, so they fix those. Um, they've added a, a story intro to Tails. He didn't have one in the original Sonic Three. He just kind of spawns into the level where Sonic comes in on the tornado, his his plane, and turns it to Super Sonic, and then he gets punched by Knuckles. So they they've really it's it's really a total conversion almost of the sonic 3 game right. and a way yeah. to rebuild it as what you might have um what they might have initially planned it to be before the the split happened with sonic 3 and sonic and knuckles uh, probably the coolest thing you can do though is in the options menu you can set it to have what was called the original zone order um which we only know about from 
prototype versions of Sonic 3 that had leaked. Um, when going into the level select, we can see that the zone order was vastly different than the one that we got in the final release. So this actually goes in and allows you to play the zone order as it was intended, um, which puts in Subsonic and Knuckles levels into the middle of Sonic 3 and uh, vice versa. Um, which is a, it's a neat way to re-experience the game for the first kind of, uh, you know, having played Sonic 3 a lot in my youth, um, kind of playing it through with this new lens offers a, a whole different experience. And playing it on the Mega SG is, is really great because I'm experiencing it in like ultra 10, 1080p uh, on a 4K TV. <laughs> so it looks beautiful. So do you know the reason why they split the cartridges to begin with? Yeah, there's a there's a couple of reasons why um, the one of the most common reasons has to do actually with a McDonald's tie in that <laughs> Sega got involved in. Um, oh. So McDonald's wanted to get some uh, toys and stuff out in time for for Sonic 3 and Knuckles to be out um, or what was just Sonic 3 to be out. But uh, Sega realized that they wouldn't have the game available in time for that so they decided that they were going to work around some marketing um, plans and they came up with this whole idea of lock-on technology to split the cartridges oh huh. yeah um, so it was all because of mcdonald's <laughs> it's like mcdonald's and also a couple of there were some bug issues that they were still trying to tinker gotcha. with and they couldn't get it in time and they also realized that they could probably get away with doing this um and and, and they sold both of them for a separate games yeah and it, and it actually was a really um i remember as a kid when we first got our sonic and knuckles cartridge um i thought it was the coolest freaking thing because you can put yeah. sonic 2 on top and play knuckles in sonic 2 and it was yeah. like yeah it was like whoa <laughs> it was like so yeah, cool sonic 1 no go and sonic 1 no go but if you did a if you did a code pressing a b and c simultaneously on the no way screen with sonic one attached you got to play blue sphere which are the special stages from sonic and knuckles um and they would randomly generate the levels so that you could play up to like i think it's like six million versions of blue sphere <laughs> oh no wow. it's even more than that it's 134 million versions of the levels which are attainable <laughs> that's that and that's that's the anxiety ridden um game where you're trying to get all the blue spheres and you it speeds up and speeds up and then all of a sudden you have like one sphere to get and then you're done that's you, right you hit the red so imagine that yeah. 134 million I times I, I i don't i don't i don't want to imagine <laughs> someone that. out there someone out there has done it <laughs> anybody wants to see that um so uh today's episode is going to be a little different uh than our usual type of form middle segment i guess this uh, sun, this coming Sunday, that is after this episode airs. Yes, uh, will be uh, PAX, which is the Penny Arcade Expo. It's a uh, very large video game convention that happens in Boston, Massachusetts, and Zachary and I will be going together for the first time, and we'll be wearing some classic Gaming Brother stuff, and we've got some uh, some objectives that we want to accomplish. So this is going to be our pre-PAX show, and then we will uh, have a, a show available and ready to go while we're at PAX about some other topic, and then uh, we'll have do a, a post-PAX show once we uh, come back together and talk about what we've learned, if, we get, if we're able to talk to any developers, if there were any... Uh, 
games that we were really excited about or even more excited about now yeah um, um and, and, so you know if we if if we see any if we see any games we like or if or if we pick up anything you know if we get any cool swag yeah or if uh we get a chance to pick up any any games while we're there um from developers themselves i mean we'll we'll let you know yeah we'll definitely let you know if uh if you want anything from PAX, uh, you can always uh, send us a message or an uh, email, and we can try and get snag something for you um, and ship it out to you. Also, um, that's fine. if you are going to be at PAX and you happen to see us walking around wearing our sweaters that have the logo on it, which is the logo that's used for all of the podcasting, um, you know, throughout the different websites uh feel free to come up to us and say hi um you know if, if you're listening to the show and you just you know want to say hi to us uh we will we will be ecstatic about that that will be like yeah that will literally yeah, make our, our entire year <laughs> yeah pretty much if yeah if you see us and you listen to our show and you see us in the persons then say hello uh we'll be great so a little history on PAX. Uh, PAX is a, a, was originally created in 2004 by uh, Jerry Hawkins and Mike uh, Krawhook, uh, the authors of Penny Arcade, the webcomic. And in the there is now six PAXs. There is uh, PAX South, PAX East, PAX Dev, PAX West, PAX Aus, and PAX Unplugged. Um, PAX South starts the year in San Antonio, Texas. PAX East follows PAX South, and that happens in Boston, Massachusetts. PAX Dev is a Seattle, Washington, which is also where PAX West happens in, Seattle, Washington. Uh, PAX West was originally called PAX Prime and was the first PAX since they're a West Coast type of situation. And then there's PAX Aus, which happens in Melbourne, Victoria in Australia. And... Then PAX Unplugged, which happens in Philadelphia, PA, uh, Pennsylvania, which is a board game convention, hence the Unplugged. Yeah, and and I've only, I've actually never been to PAX, um, so this will be my first ever PAX, which is fun, considering that I'm very into video games. <laughs> yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. Um, I've been to uh, PAX five years in a row. I've also been to PAX Unplugged uh, once. And I've been in the area when PAX West has gone on and when I was out in Washington. So it's a very interesting uh, show. There's a, a, a lot to see and do. I'm excited to be able to experience this with uh, Zachary uh, since I think that he'll have a lot of fun time. Uh, Zach's more outgoing than I am, so maybe he'll be able to uh, convince people to talk to us. Maybe we'll uh, we'll definitely bring swag and stuff and hand stuff out to people there. Um, so, what are you uh, excited, Zach, about uh, seeing at PAX? Yeah, there's a ton of stuff that I'm excited to see at PAX. And um, when I go to conventions, so when I go to places like Anime Boston or um, Boston Comic Con, which I've been to a few years now. Um, I, I spend a lot of time in the expo rooms or the dealers rooms and I'll walk around, I'll do kind of my circuit looking at everything that's available, um, and looking at everything that's for sale, um, looking at the schedule and looking at the layout for the map. There's a couple of booths that I definitely want to, uh, kind of make sure I get to. Um, the first one is limited run gaming's booth. Uh, so limited run is a, a company that creates uh, physical copies of um, video games. They, they do kind of, as the name implies, they do limited runs of 
specialized box art and uh, kind of special edition versions of games. Um, they actually did a PAX exclusive for BitTrip uh, for the PS4 um, at 2018's PAX East, which only sold 900 copies because they only had those available. Um, so once once they go through one of their runs, the item is sold out. So I'm going to try to probably get to their booth as soon as they open um just to see if i can snag anything um i've heard they sometimes have overstock that ends up there um so that'd be cool to check out um i'm also interested in seeing uh inti creates which is another booth that's going to be there they're a dev team that made um the recently released as of like 2011 or so Mega Man 10 um and they also released bloodstained curse of the moon which is kind of a castlevania throwback game um, done in kind of an 8-bit style um and yeah I'm, I'm excited to see both those booths and get a chance to uh yeah, those, check them out yeah those those booths sound pretty good i'm actually actually excited to go to dealers i generally don't know what i'm looking at when i when i when i go to a convention so having zach with his knowledgeable knowledge knowledgeable knowledge as it were about <laughs> uh about different values and different deeper knowledge in regards to historical as it were video game stuff will be fun to see like what's actually collectible versus what's uh not collectible uh i end up getting taken uh, not taken advantage of but i end up paying for things that i think are collectible and then end up not being collectible but that's my (laughs) lot but i'm i'm excited about seeing uh baldur's gate 3 will be having some play gameplay uh Baldur's Gate 3 is done by uh, the Larian Studios, which is the people who brought us Divinity uh, and Divinity 2. They had did a really good job with Divinity and Divinity 2, and I think they are going to do a really good job with Baldur's Gate 3, especially with Dungeons & Dragons being at like the height of popularity. It's great to have a game based on the... Uh, sequel the prequels which i adore baldur's gate one and baldur's gate two shadows of om that it's it's going to be great to see what they do with this game now these this baldur's gate game is based on the a sequel to the pc games not the playstation games and the playstation games the baldur's gate dark alliance games were a lot more like beat em up type games yeah um, where or Diablo clones as they were yeah um, I played through I think I played through Dark Alliance 1 on the PS2 um, our dad had a copy of it um, so that was uh, one that I played through and it is more of like it's like kind of like a Diablo clone of sorts yeah and where Baldur's Gate on the PC is about a 40 to 60 hour role-playing game just for one of them and then another 40 to 60 hours of the second one and it is much more uh, in depth. There's a big, there's a very, very deep storyline. It's almost like uh, playing through a role playing novel, as it were. That's kind of where the amount of like text that you're reading, it's pretty intense. And I, Baldur's Gate, I, so I actually recommend playing, if you want to get to a PC game and play what's known as a CRPG, which is a classic role playing game, which has an isometric standard. Uh, I think we'll probably do an episode about 
classic role-playing games in the future because there's a lot of ground to cover with those, maybe go into them individually. Uh, the Baldur's Gate series is one that's really close to my heart. And the I recommend, actually, if you want to get into the series and you want to get drawn in, play Baldur's Gate 2 first. Don't play Baldur's Gate 1. If you want to play, uh, if you don't mind committing yourself to maybe a more uh, roundabout story, then you can play Baldur's Gate 1. Baldur's Gate 1 is definitely, in my opinion, weaker in comparative story in regards to uh, sense of urgency through the game. Baldur's Gate 1, you, t- you tend to be lower level in the game and you tend to wander around trying to accomplish things. Baldur's Gate 2, you're mid to high level as a character and it's you have time frames and it, which pushes the sense of urgency which i think makes the game fun and it makes it i think a little more engaging personally yeah so i'm excited to see they're gonna live stream it actually on their youtube so if you're interested on february 27th uh larian will live stream gameplay on their youtube channel so you can see it if you are also interested in seeing Baldur's gate 3 so i'm hoping to see it in person as well awesome and also um the grounded game by obsidian oh is okay yeah there. so the grounded game i don't know if i'm necessarily uh interested <laughs> i i don't know so i'm interested <laughs> in it because uh the game is being done by obsidian which is a development house that i really 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 love yeah obsidian's uh, great it is it looks like it is a honey i shrunk the kids type game where people are like you you play as like children i guess in a world where it's the your micro size so like there's giant heads that are actually doll heads and there's like giant ladybugs and it looks like there's some building elements to it as well so i'm not sure if this is i don't i don't know i'd like to see more about it to see if i want to be able to uh pick it up but i at the end of the day i'm not sure if i uh (laughs) eh, it's something that uh, it might not be my cup of tea but it's obsidian so i'll definitely give it a look through yeah i'm I'm looking at just pictures from it i'd be interested to see some of the gameplay of uh, of the game um i like the idea that it's like a survival game set in this as you described honey i shrunk the kids kind of universe right Um, so i think i think that it could be i think it could be a lot of fun i I, i'd be interested in checking that out too there's a couple of panels that i i was looking through um in the schedule um one mostly just schedule schedule one mostly just as a uh as a as a a joke of sorts um so there's a online website similar to the onion called the hard times um and they have a they have a section called hard drive um which does a lot of satire on pop culture and specifically video games Uh, for example one of their top stories today is yoshi becomes proud parent of person they just ate um so hard drive is uh currently running a campaign a political campaign for a man named ace watkins who is planning to be the first gamer for president um and pretty much he just runs a twitter and makes political jokes using video game references um and they're gonna have a little rally for him there so i'm hoping to jump in that for at least a bit maybe uh give ace one of our business cards and maybe a button to (laughs) get him to support us just so we get that political tie you know um that we don't need (laughs) yeah more more of an interested um more of an interesting panel i'd love to attend is 
called uh, Creating NES Games in 2020, being hosted by uh, Joe Granato, who is a retro gaming podcaster and a creator of a program called Nessmaker, um, and another guy named David Jiltonen, uh, who um, has worked on creating kind of modern NES games, um, and is also the host of a, another uh, a, a podcast called Another Retro Gaming Podcast, or ARGcast. Um, so both of them are going to be there talking about uh, Joe's software, NES Maker. I saw NES Maker in early stages, maybe about four years ago, back at Retro World Expo down in Hartford. So I'm really interested to see in the development process on, on Joe's work and see kind of uh, what he what he has. I believe they just had a release of the software, making it available to the public. So it'd be kind of cool to see uh, kind of how he's developed it along and and what's uh, what's available for it. Yeah, let's see. I'm there's uh so I'm actually not a big panel goer, but maybe I'll attend some of these panels with you. Uh, I tend to find more enjoyment on the expo floor. Mm. Uh, I've gone to a couple, though I did go to one panel and I ended up getting a signature by all uh, by three of the voice actors from Masters of Orion. Oh, cool! Which is a space game, which included uh, Alan Tudyk, Dwight Schultz, and Nolan North. Oh, and nice! I only was able to get those signatures done because I went to that panel. So sometimes panels can surprise you at PAX. Uh, I generally try and hit maybe one, but I, I've, I have done an entire PAX with, I don't even think, going to a single panel. Though um, there are a, a number of different uh, m- uh, manufacturers that are going to be there of like PC parts, so like Thermaltake, uh, MSI Computers, Corsairs, and a few other, uh, I think Cooler Master is going to be there. So they sometimes build custom rigs for packs. And I've seen like, I've seen a rig that looked like a car engine. So (laughs) like they, and they, they have like rigs that they run like oil with uh, like grit in it. So there's like, like effects going through like oil with glitter. Yeah. There's like fully submersed tanks. Like they are like completely encased in like i don't think water but like uh some type of oil so that the entire machine is under encased it's just uh it's pretty cool so i'm looking forward to seeing those again i i I always have fun time kind of peeking at those there's even contests where you can generally win them so if you put your business card in or something you might be able to win one of the custom build rigs uh they generally run like i think some of them I've seen price tags between five and ten thousand dollars for oh like, wow yeah like just to buy the build itself and so they they break they they go the, some of the manufacturers really go all out and another uh, thing that I always love seeing is the uh, indie mega booth so, oh yeah yeah uh, the uh, the indie mega booth it, if Zach's looking at the map will notice that there's a big section in pink in the middle of the map. And the Indie Mega Booth personally is one of my favorite parts of PAX because what it is is a essentially an organization of indie developers who can't normally afford booth space. Mm. So what they do is they all put their money together and get a big booth space. And PAX actually, the convention, puts aside... Uh, that section of the convention hall for the uh, indie mega games, the indie games to go in on it. 
So then they get... I also believe that... Um, Oh, no, and then there's Tiny Build, which is right next door to Indie Mega Booth, build, booth and Tiny Build's like a, a very uh, friendly to indie developers. So you can, there's like this whole swath of booths that are all just small independent games, and they are some of the coolest stuff that I saw. And a lot of them uh, have like classic gaming, either classic gaming roots or that they're trying to get back to that nostalgic feel. Yeah. I saw a game called uh, Crossing Souls there. It's, uh, it's like an 8-bit, 80s, Stranger Things type uh, game that uh, is actually available and you can play it. I, It's fun. It's like a, kind of more of an action game. But uh, they, they, they were in the Indie Mega booth a few years back and they had like CRT table or CRT uh, TVs with like bean bags and like very like their entire booth was like 85 80s fied I guess it was all like very 80s themed so yeah I think so so you get to see some really cool stuff in those little indie mega booths and I think I spend a majority of my time just wandering up and down those aisles trying to look at stuff they're also smaller booths so you tend to be able to play a little bit more in regards to getting a time where you could go to the like giant two PlayStation booths or the giant two Square Enix booths and just go and wait in line to play. Actually, it looks like PlayStation has three booths. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I see that. <laughs> PlayStation has three booths, Square Enix has two, Nintendo's got a massive one. Yeah, you could go to those booths and you can like wait in line to play the newest PlayStation or Square Enix game or go to their merch stores. I like to go hit the little teeny booths because sometimes you can get in and you can play a game that you can find some rare finds in there and you're like wow this is i played a game another game called the hitchhiker when i went where you just sit in a car with this this guy and he just tells you a story and all you can do is interact by rolling up the window or like moving your foot a little bit in the car and he just tells you the story as you drive through this endless wasteland of like desert and uh, my friends watched me play for probably about 10 minutes. And they were like, what are you doing, Seth? And I'm like, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm having a fun time. That's a side note before Zach tells us more about what he wants to see. But uh, I have some friends that come up from Florida. Um, well, we survive together. Ryan comes up. Uh, this guy by the name of Mike, um, he comes up uh, every year. So it's it's great seeing uh, them. I have some friends from Connecticut that come up. Uh, my friend Dave, uh, maybe Dying Light Ryan may show up. Um, together, we, we kind of descend upon packs, and it's good being in a group of people. And we generally have enough group of, like, different People have different things that they want to see that nobody's alone and everybody's doing something that they want to do. So like me and Ryan usually run through the convention where um, Mike and Dying Light Ryan end up kind of taking their time and going through uh, a little more slower than us. Yeah, I mean, um, just talking about the Indie Mega Booth, um, I think uh, one of my friends, uh, Nathan, who uh i believe listens to this podcast I, I hope he listens to this podcast i gave him i gave him some stickers um he <laughs> he um i know demoed video ball at uh yeah. at, at pax east um they made by action button entertainment um and directed uh created by uh tim rogers um and he introduced me to video ball and video ball became one of like one of my favorite games to just play around with people um it is uh a, a one button 
uh, air hockey style uh, game oh, where you're knocking balls yeah. into into you're knocking these big like big um, circles into into goals using triangles. Yeah. Um, and then you can also pretty, you can also build like walls to prevent people from getting like stuff into your goals. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, and it was actually apparently inspired by a dare that Tim Rogers had to make a one button Starcraft. Yeah, that's I I think I actually saw that being played. Um, we there there's also my my f- friend. So there's an indie indie mini booth in the indie mega booth. Yeah. So if you really can't. If you if it, even if the booth size for the indie mega booth is too expensive, you can be in the indie mini booth. And I had a friend who rented a table. He just was doing a board game, so he didn't need that much space. And they split the board the indie mini booth with video games and board games. So you'll get uh, like twelve TVs set up with uh, different video games, and they rotate out um, or monitors, I guess. Um, different, and they wrote out rotate out um, who's going to be there. So they'll have um, maybe there'll be uh, 12 video games on Friday and there'll be different video games on Saturday. Right. So you can um, – and then there'll be different board games as well. So I had uh, my – one of uh, my friends from high school, he actually did his board game at PAX and he got some decent traction with uh, having – I mean he had great um, representation and he had great – um, traffic so he was able to really kind of and he was kickstarting so he was trying to you know get some people to be in, in, interested in the kickstarter game nice so well in terms of in terms of games that i'm excited about seeing um or at least i'm not 100 sure if they're gonna have uh um i assume they're gonna be demoed there but uh, a, a company called dot emu is going to have a booth um the dot uh, emu has been um developing kind of a retro revival sorts of games so they've done a lot of ports of of older games to modern systems they they ported windjammers um that i talked about in a previous episode onto the ps4 and onto i believe the uh the pc Uh, but they also work on games as well and they're currently working on a streets of rage 4 which is supposed to be a sequel to the streets of rage series from the classic sega genesis um and also working on uh, Windjammers too, which I, I was one of my byweight uh, one of my byweight passes. Um, so both of which um, I I know neither of which are out yet. So I'm hoping that they have something um, to show for both. Uh, I would be excited to get my hands on Windjammers too for a little bit and just to kind of uh, give it a give it a whirl and see how much is different. Um, the other booth I'm, uh, I'm excited to see is uh, I didn't even realize they were there until I was looking at the schedule. Just like. Uh, 20 minutes ago but it's a company called mega cat studios um mega cat studios produces um and distributes nes games sega genesis games super nintendo games that are all made recently so um they have a Windjammer style game called log jammers you play as uh people that are doing log rolling um and you throw axes as opposed to frisbees at each other um they have that game for the NES that came out a few years ago, and then they have uh, a game called Coffee Crisis for the Sega Genesis, which came out a few years ago. Um, they, they've produced a ton of games for the Sega Genesis and the NES. Those are two of their better-known ones. Um, but I'm excited to see if they have uh, some of the games uh, in their selection available, because um, I would love to pick up something for, especially the Sega Genesis, now that I have the Mega SG, be able to play it in the HD. Yeah, does, does the Mega SG take 
normal cartridges? Yeah, so the Mega SG oh. um, takes all cartridges for the Sega Genesis is 100% compatible with the library oh. um, because it uses what's called FPGA as opposed to software emulation. So it's it's actually replicating the original hardware. Um, so oh. any game that could then, work for the Sega Genesis should work for the Mega SG. And they're making it, and it makes it HD. Yeah, nice. it, it bumps it up to a HD resolution. So I'd love to pick up a Mega Cat game for the for the Sega. Um, they are solely original games. They they all came out within the last few years. So it's not like they're releasing like bootlegs or something like that. These are yeah, these are wholly original games. Um, that, do, do you know what the premise behind Coffee Crisis is? Yeah, so Coffee Crisis is a beat 'em up. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, it kind of style like uh, Jumble Dragon or or actually uh, oh, okay. Streets of Rage, like the Toad game. Yeah, Battle Toads. Yep, um, Battle Toads. Um, you can actually pick it up on Steam right now for five dollars. Um, oh. It's a described as a neo rogue brawler that puts you in the shoes of the only baristas on earth with enough heavy metal in their veins to fend off an alien assault. That's, uh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's so, not to be confused with the coffee shop game that right. is on Steam where right. you're a barista and people are telling you their problems. Right. Um, that's so, <laughs> entirely two different coffee related themed games. Yes. Um, actually, a good chunk of uh, their games are. Um, either coming to steam or available on steam right now um one of their games which was out for the super nintendo called little medusa is supposed to be getting a uh, quarter one of 2020 release and that's a kind of a uh action action uh adventure game kind of more of like the lines of like zelda uh in terms of like puzzle solving and stuff neat neat that's that's really cool i uh i think that i think it's gonna be a great time I think that it's going to be. Uh, I think it's. We we also do stuff during the evening, so maybe we'll be doing like an escape room, or we'll do like a pub crawl, or a yeah. beer tour, or something. And uh, I'll work with Zach and the details and the nights that he's able to hang out with us, and we'll just we'll have a blast in Boston. Uh, it's all it's always a great time. If you if you hear this podcast and you're like, hey, I want to go to PAX in 2021. Uh, hit us up, and uh, we, you can always roll with us as well. I mean, we're more than happy to uh, have you join our group of friends so you're not going to PAX alone. Uh, there's actually people on Reddit that have reached out to me, and I've said, hey, you know, if you want to hang out with us, you can hang out with us. It's fine. Just hit me up. It's fine. So, yeah, always uh, look forward to it. Uh, I think that's going to be good for packs so that we can get into our do you have anything else you were excited about for packs no well i mean i'm just excited to uh spend some fun time with my brother and uh get to kind of yeah i get to some quality time for my brother and get to just kind of uh kind of explore a new a new environment before we get into our by weight pass i believe we do have a uh special word from our sponsor um, so, uh, let's hear what they have to say. Are you bored Tuesday through Saturday waiting for another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers? If you are, well, then do we have a solution for you. You can try a 30-day free trial of Audible, and in doing so, we'll make some money, and you'll be able to enjoy a nice book like Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Or Masters of Doom by David Kushner. Both books are narrated by Will Wheaton to hold you over till we get back to you on Sunday. Visit audibletrial.com slash Classic Gaming Brothers to check it out. That's audibletrial.com slash Classic Gaming Brothers. And now back to our show. 
Uh, so let's get finished this up and go into the byweight pass segment. Uh, so, uh, Zach, do you want to tell us what you're excited about buying, waiting, or passing on? Yeah, so my byweight pass for this episode is actually kind of related to a byweight pass I did for an earlier episode. An earlier episode, I talked about how Doom Eternal was a uh, a, a, a buy for me um i think another buy for me because i'm probably not going to pre-order doom eternal i've had some bad luck with pre-orders um so i do kind of want to wait for doom eternal to come out before i pre-order it um but order it before i order it then you're not pre-ordering right 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 before i order it um but um along with doom eternal is going to be doom 64 which is getting ported over to pc ps4 and xbox one and switch um uh next month um, so Doom 64, as as uh, the name implies, originally came out in uh, 1997 for the Nintendo 64. Uh, it was developed by Midway Games um, and was kind of a s- entirely different version of Doom than the classic Doom. So where the classic Doom is kind of this fast-paced, um, you know... Um, shooting demons blowing everything up you know loud heavy uh you know metal music playing in the background doom 64 is a bit more of a slower paced atmospheric game the music isn't as loud and heavy metal styled it's actually this very like foreboding sounding like ambient music that plays um and the the graphics are done in this kind of a lot more of a detailed darker style than than doom's graphics um it's still using the classic doom engine um so everything's kind of like flat looking even though it's like you know fake 3d but um it's definitely kind of a different experience um the reason i'm interested in the port is because currently the only way to play doom 64 legally is by playing doom 64 on the nintendo 64 and there isn't really a good way to play it with with modern visuals in the sense that you know if i hook my nintendo 64 up to my television i'm dealing with a lot of uh, screen resolution issues you know it's outputting a standard definition onto a high definition screen so it doesn't look as good as it could be and i really want to kind of experience this game for what the programmers wanted it to look like and what they intended it to look like um which unfortunately the n64 wasn't able to produce back then so they they are doing a port to to modern systems which will have a essentially be an hd uh uh upscaling upscaled version of the game um which will be nice to experience kind of for the first time um seeing doom 64 in a different light as it were um so i i think that would be a buy for me um i don't anticipate it being super expensive i I know the other doom games recently just got modern ports for the ps4 and the switch um i'm pretty sure they're both a doom 1 and doom 2 are uh 5.99 or so um they also come with a ton of features so i'm expecting doom 64 will hopefully come with some cool features um i know doom 1 and doom 2 come with um uh, a bunch of maps that were released by id software and other um, third-party developers back in the 90s that you can download and play um, as you would if you had a, a um, you know a pc copy of doom so that's you know uh, that, that's kind of a cool little uh thing that i'm excited for uh but what about what about you seth what are you looking forward um so i actually just was uh perusing uh games that are coming out eventually and there is actually a game that will that has already come out just recently on the 19th of February 
which is in the future for us recording, but that's okay. <laughs> it's called The Suicide of Rachel Foster, and it looks kind of... It, so it is by Daedalic uh, Entertainment, and they are uh, one of the vendors that will be at PAX, which I'm excited about visiting their booth, so maybe I'll actually be able to see this game at their booth. Um, they, they're, they're, a develop, they're good... They're not. They're actually publishing this. The developer is One O One Games, and it looks a lot like Gone Home, and kind of style where it's like first person. Looks like a kind of like a walking simulator. Uh, the game is set in 1993, and in Lewis and Clark County, Montana, U.S., and it takes place where 10 years ago, the teenager Nicole and her mother left the family hotel after discovering her father Leonard's affair and pregnancy of Rachel, a girl her own age, who eventually committed suicide. And now that um, her both of her parents have passed, uh, Nicole looks to fulfill her mother's last will to sell the hotel and make amends to Rachel's relatives. And you have to go back to the hotel, and the weather gets weird and worse, and you can't get out of the hotel now, and there you only get support with a radio in in the house with a um, and you get to speak to a FEMA agent who's trying to help through the storm, which also is why that the game says that it's similar to Firewatch because Firewatch is kind of similar in regard to if you've played Firewatch you play as a, a guy who watches fires and um, his only communications is with a, uh, a walkie-talkie to another person who watches fires in a different tower and that game I really, really loved Firewatch. I played it for uh, six hours, and that's that's a that's a full complete of the game. And it, I really enjoyed the story all the way through. So if if Suicide of Rachel Foster is similar to Firewatch, which it sounds like it kind of is, uh, then I it's then it's probably a game that I would probably enjoy. It does have some mystery and horror in it as well, which I can sometimes be in the mood for. Uh, so I'm gonna put it on a wait pass. To be honest, I'm gonna put it on my wish list. Uh, I can maybe I'll pick it up when it comes out after I watch some the reviews come in. And but I, to be honest, I'm not sure. I think I just have to be in the mood to play this game. So, but it's definitely a game to I'm gonna I'm gonna keep an eye out. Is is it, if it's like if it's like Firewatch and Gone Home combined let's let's do it yeah no I'm, I'm i'm looking at the pictures of it now and it does give me very strong gone home vibes and uh, gone home was one of my favorite games of all time so yeah um i i'm definitely also interested in this game i, I would love to hear your opinions if you end up do getting it if i do end up getting it yeah. well it's coming out soon yes and and well actually is already out by uh, <laughs> by the time this podcast is out so it is out so check it out uh and maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast um after later in later down the road very cool very cool well that being said um there are a couple of ways that you can reach us seth do you want to tell us about those ways 
Uh, sure. So there's a few ways you can contact us, listen to us, and support us. Um, to contact us, you can send us an email at uh, classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. You can also go over to our website, which is www.classicgamingbrothers.com, and you can go to the contact uh, form and send us a message through the contact form as well, uh, which goes right to our email box. So you don't even have to worry about if you got the email right. Um, you can support us by either checking about uh, checking out our sponsor at Audible uh, and or going to our merch store and buying some swag yeah. or just do what we like and like, subscribe, and listen. That's You don't need to spend any money on us. We're happy with just making this podcast, and we're going to make it regardless if you listen or not. So. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a if, threat. If, if, <laughs> yeah, it's, if, 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 if Zachary and I are the only one listening to this podcast, then guess what? We're still making it. That's right. And, That's right. Uh, finally, uh, you can listen to us on where all podcasts are, are served. If there is a podcast that you don't, if there's this podcast service that you don't see us on and you want us to listen and you want to listen to us on it, then let us know and we'll, we'll try to get on there. Um, I know like CastBox were on it and we never applied to be on CastBox, but right. all of our episodes are all weird on it. If you look at the description. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because they, I've, they got I've formatted. changed things over. Yeah. yeah. I can fix that, but it's going to be a pain in the butt. But anyway, <laughs> um, to, uh, to wrap this up, uh, we'll just say one thing, and that is don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right! <laughs> so obnoxious at the end. I don't even know. Like, why do we even say that? Just, just, just... It's just so natural. Just say, it's just so natural. It's not so natural. It's, it's just... so it's, natural. It's done. Just, just hopefully the music's been in. Uh, I'm, I'm stopping the recording.